Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the view from the opposition. And this week it comes from Jonathan Johnson from CBS Sports. He's based in Paris and follows PSG amongst other French teams. Jonathan, thank you very much for popping on to the podcast. Familiar listeners of the podcast will remember Jonathan way back when Newcastle signed Bruno Gamarash. He came on and uh, introduced us to the Brazilian midfield. And it's gone quite swimmingly for Bruno since then. Jonathan, how are you keeping? Are you well? Yeah, doing very well. Thanks. Uh, thank you very much for, for having me back on, and uh, yeah, looking forward to, to getting into this one. And yeah, as you as you've seen uh, since uh, since Bruno's uh, slotted in quite nicely at St James's Park. Yes, he's been absolutely superb, and, and fingers crossed that talk of a new deal will be announced uh, sooner rather than later because we know there's lots of vultures swimming around him or swimming around flying around him um, because he's been that good. Uh, this is a view from the opposition, Jonathan. That. I dreamt of doing, but not as quickly as it has come around. I mean, to be facing PSG in the Champions League, just to say Newcastle in the Champions League still blows my mind. And to welcome PSG as the first side to St. James's Park in the Champions League after 20, 21 years, it's quite something. Um, just before we get into PSG, what do you think when you when you see Newcastle in the Champions League? I mean, for me, it's, uh, you know, a throwback to a couple of decades ago <clears throat> when I was growing up. Obviously, I was still in England at the time, so it was before I went to France. Uh, you know, and I remember some of Newcastle's forays in uh, in Europe, not just in the Champions League. Uh, you know, and it's, um, you know, I think it's a fan base that a lot of European fans, uh, you know, would, would um, you know, readily uh, admit uh, it is, you know, is a welcome addition, uh, you know, to the to the Champions League circuit, and uh, certainly in a way day that I know a lot of uh, PSG fans have been looking forward to since the draw was made. Yeah, well, PSG have just landed as we've pressed record there the touchdown in what is actually a sunny Tyneside uh, this afternoon, and we understand that the, the PSG fans, I think over two thousand have got tickets. They'll be taking over the Newcastle's big market um, come Wednesday afternoon ahead of the game. So that should be quite an interesting one. Um, I'm not sure many people would choose the big market as a location, but that's where that's where they are heading. Um, PSG, one of the best teams in you. When the draw was made, it was described as a group of death for Newcastle. My uh, conclusion, as well as many other fans and, and reporters as well, you want to face Europe's best and PSG or that. However, someone said to me yesterday, well, actually, you could also describe them as one of the serial underachievers. Would that be fair? I don't think it's unfair. Uh, you know, I certainly think in terms of what PSG set out to achieve when they were taken over by Qatar uh, back in 2011, uh, they haven't quite hit the heights that uh, was expected of them. You know, they did have a period where they were sort of serial quarter finalists at the beginning of the project. Uh, and sort of at that moment, everything seemed to be on track. But then aside from, uh, you know, the, the final appearance in 2020 and the semi-finals in, uh, in 2021, you could say that things haven't quite gone to, to plan because they've mostly gone out in the round of 16 and often in, you know, quite spectacular fashion, especially since, uh, you know, the original remontada in, uh, in, in Barcelona. So, you know, I think there is a recognition that PSG could have done better in uh, a number of those uh, editions and people would also point to the extenuating circumstances, uh, you know, that, that sort of led to PSG being finalists in 2020 in the first place. Obviously, Lyon as well got to the, the semi-finals in that same uh, truncated uh, edition of the, the Champions League. 
But also at the same time, uh, you know, PSG are regularly recognised as sort of one of the the pre-tournament favourites, or at least you know one of the teams that's expected to to make a deep run each time. Uh, you know, and their group stage performances generally are quite convincing. Uh, so, you know, I do see why. Uh, in one moment, uh, you know, people sort of see PSG as these continental giants and equally at the same time, they're kind of the continental giants that people would want to face because they've not quite gotten the results that have uh, been expected of them. And I actually published a piece on uh, on Monday uh, about sort of how Newcastle could probably learn a lot from PSG's first 10 years of their project, you know, certainly in terms of not setting, a, you know, too ambitious a goal too soon. Uh, you know, the same goes for Manchester City as well, because obviously the, uh, you know, the, the scenario is quite similar as well. So, uh, you know, I think that PSG is sort of an example of what not to do in in many ways for, for Newcastle to, to be wary of as the, as the years go on. But, uh, you know, this, uh, it, it's always a big moment when a club returns to, to Europe after many years away. PSG had that at the beginning of their Qatari project as well. Uh, and, you know, I think in terms of the, the group of death scenario, people really wanted to call this a group of death. And I actually think that when you look at it and delve more into sort of the, the teams and where they're at at the moment, you know, it's not the best moment for Borussia Dortmund. PSG, uh, you know, sort of mid-overhaul uh, once again, but this time it's it's been a more deep-reaching overhaul. Uh, you know, Newcastle are still sort of in the early days of their project, the, the infancy. Uh, and Milan are not quite the, the, the force that they were a couple of years ago when they won Serie A. So I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with the people who do think that it's a group of death, but equally at the same time, it's hard to have drawn too many clubs uh, with more pedigree than the the group that Newcastle have landed in. Yeah, I think this is the one Newcastle fans are really looking forward to in terms of that home fixture. I think Dortmund's going to be a fantastic trip. Milan was and Paris will be. But in terms of you know the team out of the, the Milan-Dortmund, I think this is the one PSG that they're most looking forward to. And it's interesting that you mention the project because I think that's where a lot of people maybe outside of Newcastle were drawn to the, the, the comparisons between the ownerships. And um, when, when you talk about lessons to be learned, you mentioned there, you know, not being too ambitious. Is that the main takeaway you think, you know, the likes of the public investment fund and Amanda Stabling and Co will take away from Paris, uh, Paris's project of the last decade? No, I don't think it's, uh, you know, that uh, you shouldn't be too ambitious. I don't think, you know, for a project like this, that you can ever say anything is too ambitious. I think there's certain temptations that come, uh, you know, when you want to be ambitious and it takes away from actually building a squad that's set up and, and constructed to succeed as opposed to just going for sort of the shiniest, glitteriest, you know, newest uh, item on the market. And that's the trap that PSG fell into. And Manchester City also went through it for a period as well. Uh, both of them ran into massive financial fair play issues, which, you know, Newcastle would do very well uh, to have paid uh, attention to and sort of how PSG and, uh, and City have built their brands, uh, you know, since those run-ins with UEFA. But, you know, I think the biggest takeaway from, from what PSG have done uh, over the last couple of years is, you know, should have taught Newcastle that basically star power doesn't guarantee success. And I think, you know, if we can really praise Newcastle for one thing and one thing alone since the beginning of the, the, the Saudi-backed project, that's that there hasn't been a temptation to rush into the market and find the biggest name available for the biggest price, uh, you know, 
most of the targets have been intelligently selected. Uh, you know, we we discussed at length Bruno Guimaraes, uh, you know, way back when he signed. Uh, Sven Botman followed him as well. Uh, you know, both came from Ligan, both very intelligent, uh, you know, transfer identifications and acquisitions. Uh, you know, and a number of other, uh, you know, intelligent additions have been made to the squad as well, including Isaac uh, in attack. So, you know, I think basically the, the the big takeaway for Newcastle should be to continue along the route that they've started uh, along and to not, you know, perhaps give in to temptation if there are a few sort of bumps in the road on the way. Yeah, I mean, that's, you're 100% right about the, the, the approach in the transfer market. Everyone outside, again, of Newcastle, expect them to, to go big. I mean, we've seen links to Mbappe, Neymar before he left uh, Paris, and Newcastle just haven't done that. They've been very sensible in their approach, and it is paying off at the moment. In terms of uh, PSG's start to the season, it, it's not gone perhaps as well as they would have liked. They're fifth in the table at the moment, uh, 12 points from the first seven games. Uh, I mean, that, that's me just looking at it and making a conclusion that it has gone wrong. Has it gone wrong? Or, again, because of where they are at the stage of a rebuild, maybe it, they weren't uh, expected to be you know, at the top of this stage? I mean, I think it's easy to say that it's not gone according to plan, uh, you know, and obviously PSG would have expected to have more points on the board by this point. But equally, at the same time, there's a bit more patience around Parc des Princes these days, and they know that, uh, you know, the squad has been overhauled once again, and they're trying to, to rebuild not just the, you know, the, the starting 11, but the squad and also the, the chemistry and the cohesion between the players. And that, you know, it doesn't come overnight. You've got a new coach in Luis Enrique, uh, you know, a, a new group of players, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Kylian Mbappe is still the star name, but a much bigger French core than there was before. So, you know, there's a lot, uh, you know, that's kind of changed behind the scenes and you can't just expect, you know, to, to be dominant from the, the very start, uh, you know, when you make sweeping changes as PSG have made. Now, the hope obviously is that they don't have to keep making sweeping changes like that every summer, uh, you know, until they finally get it right. There is a feeling, though, that this is a more united uh, PSG side and, and more of a team than we've seen in the last couple of years. You know, they they rely less on individual brilliance uh, than they used to when they had the likes of Messi, Neymar. So it's you know going to be really interesting to see you know this particular test because it's away from home. It's a tricky game. It's one that's got a bit more riding on it than uh, you, than you'd expect, given sort of the the geopolitical aspects, given the two the two clubs' ownership groups. Uh, and you know that certainly ratchets up the pressure on PSG because there will be an expectation to to not lose this game. Uh, and you know, like I said, you know, it's very much a work in progress this uh, PSG side under Luis Enrique. So a really interesting test. But I would say that PSG have gen generally risen to the task so far this season in the bigger games. Beat Lens at home, beat Lyon away, thrashed Marseille in the in the derby, beat Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League opener. So. It's these kind of games that the the squad shows itself to have, uh, you know, an appetite normally. And talk to me about Mbappe. I mean, that's the that's the player everybody wants to see. I think it was last week or the week before when it was rumored he he might be out. He picked up. I think it was a calf, some sort of calf injury. There was there was devastation from from a lot of fans that actually he wouldn't play because obviously he's absolutely fantastic. But that's exactly what Newcastle fans want to see. They want to see the best at St James Park under the lights. Obviously, he's recovered from whatever that was, uh, started the game on Saturday. How has his form been? Because I've read a few things that, you know, he's a bit out of sorts so far this season. 
Well, I think first and foremost, you have to bear in mind that Mbappe didn't really have much of a preseason. There was such a furore around his potential future that he barely featured during uh, PSG's preseason games. So he's been sort of playing catch up from the very beginning in terms of his match fitness, which makes the the numbers, you know, his goals scored so far this season even more impressive, given that uh, you know he didn't play for sort of the first match and a half, uh, and then picked up that injury and missed the majority of the Marseille game as well. So it was actually an ankle knock. Uh, he he did, uh, you know, go the full 90 against Clermont in the goalless draw over the weekend. So it does look like those Newcastle fans who have been desperate to get a glimpse of Mbappe will get exactly that. And it's, you know, this is the kind of game as well that he likes, uh, you know, playing in. You know, we've seen PSG go away to, to the likes of, uh, you know, Manchester United in, uh, in recent years. And, uh, you know, this will be one that uh, Mbappe and a number of the, the his PSG teammates uh, relish. But uh, obviously... He is still very much the talisman of this team. Uh, and Luis Enrique is, uh, is is very glad to have him at his disposal after not being able to call on him for the, the majority of the preseason. The key question is, how did Newcastle United stop him? Uh, it's, a good, uh, it's a good question. I mean, when he's on... Uh, you know, when he's on form, he is very difficult to stop, very difficult to contain. I think the one thing that could stop Mbappe is not necessarily anything that Newcastle, uh, you know, can do themselves, but it's actually sort of the the developing chemistry between PSG's front three. Mbappe, Colomani, Dembele know each other from the France national team, but playing together uh, for PSG is very diff- different to playing together at international level. Uh, also something of importance to PSG when they've played uh, and been more convincing so far this season has been the midfield. Ugarte, a former Newcastle target sort of anchors the midfield and then you've got the very talented teenager Warren Zaya Emery just playing a little bit in front of him with Vitinho who spent a bit of time with Wolves as well so I think you know Mbappe might not be at his most lethal best uh, you know if PSG continue to have those teething issues uh, in the attack but uh, you know make no mistake it is a, a quality attack that PSG have assembled and you've also got players like Gonzalo Ramos who can come in and provide a goal threat as well. Yeah, name Newcastle fans will remember because he was heavily linked to Newcastle United over the last two windows, uh, but he has arrived in Paris. If you were sitting down with Eddie Howe, Jonathan, and he said to you, what is Paris's biggest weakness that I can exploit? What would you tell him? I think it would probably be the uh, setup in the defence because while PSG tried to play like a flat back four, obviously Hakimi likes to get forward, so there's potential to get in behind him on the left. Uh, also, you've got Luca Hernandez uh, on the left, who's now sort of treading a bit of a tightrope at the moment because he's the only sort of fit senior option at left back. I'd say the actual uh, sort of weakest linked target based on the performances so far this season would actually be someone like Milan Skriniar, but Newcastle's job would be a lot easier if uh, Ugarte and or Marquinhos uh, were missing out because they're two very central figures to to what Luis Enrique is trying to do with this PSG side. So I think the obvious person to, to target for this game would be Skriniar, who didn't play much over the second half of last season with Inter uh, and has been recovering from uh, back problems. So he's still not quite back to his best. Do you expect PSG to have a lot of the ball on Wednesday or do you expect them to invite Newcastle on to them? Uh, I think PSG will try and get uh, a fair bit of the ball. At the end of the day, Luis Enrique does preach uh, sort of a possession-based style and likes to see his players, uh, you know, knocking it around, uh, you know, with confidence. 
But, uh, you know, I really think key in dictating, uh, you know, whether PSG will have a lot of the ball or not is whether Ugarte in the midfield can win that battle uh, up against Bruno Gimedes and the uh, Newcastle midfield. So whoever comes out on top of that, I think, can realistically hope to potentially control the game through possession and, uh, you know, maybe dictate who comes out on top. And just a penultimate question uh, before I get your, your score prediction. How are PSG looking at this? Do they come to Tyneside knowing that they're favourites, thinking they're favourites and thinking you know, we ought to be winning this game? I think PSG will feel that they're favourites and I think most people have painted them as favourites as well, which is understandable. I mean, this is PSG's 12th consecutive Champions League appearance and Newcastle's first in two decades. So, you know, I think that aspect of it is uh, is logical, but I think PSG are also well aware that this could potentially be a bit of a, a trap game for them as well, where, you know, the... Uh, the stakes are a bit higher than they would usually be for for a game of this sort of stature, given you know the the two clubs' ownership uh, situation and uh, you know the fact that there's obviously going to be a bit more expectation uh, from the hierarchy uh, than there perhaps has been so far this season. Uh, but equally, at the same time, PSG generally don't tend to need to be favourites in the group stage because they're normally uh, you know quite consistent and performing well at that stage. It's, later on where things start to fall apart. So this will be a, a good test uh, and one where they have to live up to, to the tag of favourites. But equally, uh, you know, I don't think they'll be coming to St. James's Park expecting for, for Newcastle to just roll over. They, you know, know that they're going to be in for a, a physical battle uh, when they come up against Premier League sides. And, uh, you know, this will be a good test of, uh, of Luis Enrique's uh, achievements and what he's been able to put together with this PSG team so far. And the final question I want to ask you is about St. James's Park and the atmosphere. We know War Flags, the supporters group, have gone above and beyond for their first Champions League display. And we know, look, uh, Paris, uh, Paris's games are you know an unbelievable spectacle. So they're not going to be kind of intimidated by that. But I'm just wondering whether they might make the mistake of underestimating the atmosphere on Wednesday. Do you, do you think they're going to be aware of what's going to hit them from the terraces? I don't think PSG will underestimate it. Obviously, uh, you know, they are used to, to, to having quite a, a boisterous home atmosphere. So it's not something that phases them too much. And, you know, I think they know that, you know, big European nights, uh, you know, at a venue like St. James's Park, we're always going to generate, uh, you know, electric atmospheres. Uh, you know, and I think something else as well that will really factor into the, the great atmosphere overall is the fact that, uh, you know, PSG generally tend to travel well in terms of supporters and have, uh, you know, some very vociferous, uh, you know, backing when they go to places, uh, you know, like they've gone to in the past, Old Trafford, for example. So, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of PSG fans relishing this trip and uh, they'll, they'll definitely try and make themselves heard. It's going to be a fantastic spectacle, uh, I think, for everyone there as well, for the neutral as well. All that remains to be done then, Jonathan. How is Wednesday going to go? What is your score prediction? Uh, I've been saying that I am still confident that PSG will come out on top. So what I'll say is maybe a 2-1 win for, for PSG, which is bold in itself because I know Newcastle have a great defensive record at the moment. But PSG winning by a goal, I think, is generally uh, sort of where I'm heading. Thank you very much for that score prediction. I hope you're very wrong with it, though. Uh, to you guys listening and watching, do hit that subscribe button through whichever platform you'll join us on. Thank you very much, Jonathan, for giving us the insight into PSG. Head over to our website, chroniclelive.co.uk, for all the latest Newcastle Night news, including Eddie Howe's press conference ahead of the game on Wednesday and live coverage of Newcastle United versus PSG in the Champions League. <laughs>